Welcome to the Safety with Purpose Women in Safety podcast. This is a show that provides a supportive space for women in safety careers. We break down the barriers and provide opportunities for growth. Make sure to hit that subscribe button to be notified of new episodes and join us at safetywithpurpose.com. Now, here's your Women in Safety podcast host, Tamara Paris. Hi, and welcome to another edition of Women in Safety. We've got a great show lined up for you today. I've got two amazing women speaking with us. So we've got Kathleen Dobson of Alberici Constructors. She's the safety director. And joining her is her good friend, Amy Parent, safety director of Goodyear. We're glad to have them on the show. Now, before we get started, have you signed up for our Safety Connect Virtual Safety Conference Expo. It's happening October the 20th to the 22nd, 2020. And I want to give a shout out to our exhibitors. They're doing door prizes and giveaways and our sponsors are having big giveaways, but only for those who register and attend. So sign up now at industryconnectsafety.com. That's industryconnectsafety.com. Now let's dive into that discussion. Hi, welcome to the show. I'm super excited. I was so excited when I heard about girls. I was, yes, I was beside myself. So oh, I appreciate that. Thank you. It's fun to have these conversations with people. And I do like your point about, you know, this is a time where we're learning. And I think it's also a time where uh, people are changing mindsets. Would you, have you seen that? So, okay, this is the one big thing that we realized. And even we have a, we have a food grade requirement. So HACCP is very important, but something as simple as the janitorial service. How well have we been cleaning prior? Now we just come across a virus that, you know what, you cannot do that lazadaisical cleaning over there. And so we have built up our protocols just for the, the sanitation for our workers, something that people don't really think about. We have an eating area, we have a common area, we have, we have a control rooms, you know what? And for a long time, we were struggling with our the current company saying, you know, we don't really, we can tell that you're not doing a very good job. And then now they're highlighted and they're on points because they've been called out, they've been called to the carpet, so to speak. So just from a janitorial perspective, we've learned a lot from there. I mean, that seems like that's kind of like low foundation, but you got to have a good foundation, you know, and it, You've got to have a, a you have to, you've got to start with clean to keep it healthy. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we learned a lot. We realized that we had no protocol specifically for cleaning a common room or, or a lunchroom, which, you know what, is absolutely ridiculous. Like, that's one of those things where you're like, oh, you know? Right. And we have something very specific for janitorial services that we have on site. You know, those types of things. That was that was a big one. And communicating. Communicating is very strained. And we're learning, we're having to work, or we're having to work around uh, the fact that for the most part, there was a very big gap in communicating from upper management to, let's say, um, the, the person that's on the floor, the newest person. They don't know how to communicate. So they're not mm-hmm. used to a manager coming out, keeping six foot of distance and talking to them about, Hey, what are you struggling with this face mask? We're breaking those barriers and you're either going to, you're going to see a lot of either discomfort or with the younger folks, you really like it. They, they like yeah. that communication. Yeah. They're not afraid of the age gap, but the older generation is, is, is very regimented with, Hey, you have a chain of command or right. you know, elders a little differently, or we don't normally talk specifically right to the boss man kind of thing. So that's usually what, their their feedback is is why is a plant manager here? Well, he he's he's really interested in making sure that you're okay with his face mask. Yeah, so that type of thing. But I think that's okay. You know, I don't think Generation X that we ever liked that um, that concept of you're way above us and we're beneath you. You know, as a Generation Xer myself, it was always very uncomfortable and fake. And so I think it's kind of good that this is breaking it open so that we're all adults in the workplace, right? Doing jobs. 
And right. no job is less important than another job. Otherwise, why would you have it in a business in the first place? You wouldn't pay those resources out to do something that's really not of value. And I, and I think that um, maintenance is a foundational piece of a business that you're right, we do overlook. Kathleen, what are your take on this? Yeah, and I, 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 I agree. You know, I mean, we, we, we really, I think, missed the mark for years and years and years on developing our standard operating procedures around things like cleaning. And, and I, I mean, I remember back in like February and early March, um, we came up with a, you know, just a sort of a general toolbox talk for, for, our, for our workforce before we thought it was going to just blow up, you know, when it was still, you know what, we're going to keep it under control. It's sort of like the flu, but you have to take some extra precautions. And when we looked at, at, at those, those areas of high touch, you don't realize how many times you touch your computer keys in the desk that you're working on in your phone and picking up a soda can and, and fumbling through your papers and then going into the washroom and, and the door handles and all that sort of stuff. And, and I know that, that the, a lot of the facilities that we're working in, they have specifically asked us, you know what, a, a redesign of the, of the, of the toilet facilities was not, our intention, but we're going to add that to your contract because we want to be able to have doors that swing open and shut without any touching. We want you to be able to have um, a, a place to wash your hands and to get soap with just by, you know, sliding your hand underneath and the, and the, and the, the foam drops in your hand and the no flush toilets and all that sort of stuff. But I, I, I agree, you know, like we, we in in our office that we have, we have a third a third party um, cleaning crew come in, and 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 Amy is absolutely spot on when she said we weren't doing a very good job of really cleaning. You know, looked yeah. kind of clean, but it wasn't yeah. really cleaning. cleaning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and I and 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 it's and it's such a challenge now. You know, you you put. You're, you put your hand sanitizer in your car, which of course you're not supposed to do because it gets too hot and it blows up, you know, like 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 the, the YouTube pictures. But you know, every time you go to the like the, the grocery store or something, who had this cart before I did? And Oh yeah, Walmart. Yeah. 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 Walmart germs, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think that the other thing we're starting to do more of, and it should have been done before, as you said, but we kind of dropped that ball, is really looking at the perspective of the worker. What does the worker need in order to be safe in this environment, as opposed to um, before a lot of people were coming at safety as an enforcer? Are you compliant? And I, and I think that this has switched people's mindset also to have some more empathy and kind of really looking out for individuals. Yeah, I think that, you know, from, from, a, from the perspective of a safety professional, I always, I always disliked the, you know, hey, the gotcha police or whatever. And or a superintendent who said, oh, you know what? Hey, I saw somebody, I saw, I saw Amy violating a safety rule and here's what the rule was. And so Kathy, you have to write it up. I'm like, I'm not doing that. Yes. It's not my it, it, that, that is that That is so much in, in violation of what we, we would expect from a, from an, a management system where safety is a component of everyone in operations job and their responsibilities. And I think it's given the safety professional, like you said, a lot more opportunity to be empathetic with the workers, to really get in there and say, you know what, this is what we intend to provide you, but will it work for you? What else do you need? What else can we provide? And and most companies that I know of have been very generous. You know, they have opened up their they have opened up their wallets when it's come to came to providing for our workforce, whether it's, you know, the, whether it's, it's 
a, a neoprene glove for cleaning or whether it's masks, whether it's, it's gowns and Tyvek suits and things like that, where if you, you know, six months ago, if we would ask for all those things to be, well, prove it, you know, justify it in the budget. We don't, we don't want to spend that kind of money. Yeah. And, and I think now companies realize, you know what, we have to spend that kind of money and we have, we have to make those kinds of investments. And of course, you know, the, the whole issue with the jacking up of everything, you know, the, the, like the digital thermometers that, mm-hmm. that, that cost $29 in December, cost $129 in April. You couldn't wow. get them. And then, and then now the prices have started to come down. You know, now we're finding them for, you know, like 39 49 bucks. But, but the jacking up for the prices and everything like that, at least our company never said no. They, they didn't say no to anything. So in order to address that, because we, we, we have been thinking on that for the last couple of years. So we came up with a behavioral safety approach where we do a one-on-one. Now we are challenged a little bit because we got this social distancing. And so we still go, let's just say you and I, you're working on a project and I'm going to go to you and I'm, mm-hmm. it's my chance to see how you work and ask those questions. And I actually give you a chance to talk about what you do and you tell me what you need. And we're able to look at the same audit form together. And I mm-hmm. and I say that it's an audit form, but that's it's part of our auditing process. Yeah. But we're coming to it and we're trying to understand why you're working the way that you're working. And then do you have some obstacles and what are some of your successes? And we have an opportunity um, to, to praise them for what they're doing and yeah. then to question what they should. Instead of saying, well, you're not doing this. Why are you doing that? It's I, we, we try to, to work it that way. Yeah. We're all yeah, I find very wonderfully you know, human. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, I find very few people that are actually deliberately and flagrantly violating a rule. Most of the time it's, it's like you said, they were directed to do something and to get it done. And so they go ahead and they do it. That's, that's what, yeah. I mean, from, from my perspective, that's what construction workers do. They get it done. And yeah. if they can get it done quickly, they're going to get it done quickly. And, and oftentimes they don't, they don't evaluate that having, having these combustibles or these flammables 35 feet away creates a safer environment. They just say, you know what, the spark's not going to fly over there. Because I've all, I've done this for so long, yes, and so, you get, yes. so so there's so there's a little sometimes there's a little degree of complacency there, but if you don't have somebody coming over and saying, you know what, let's clean this area up first and then go to work, they just they just will go to work because yeah. that's that's what's in their mindset, and. and- I mean, there's also, you know, I was talking to Darren Sutton the other day, and he was talking about the different co- consequences. There's positive consequences and negative consequences. And his point was most often the positive consequences occur more times than the negative ones. And so that that creates like the perfect storm, because although in the back of our head, we know, oh, yeah, we should really move that out so many feet or we should create the space in this way to make sure that we have a, a hazard-free zone. For for years and decades, sometimes people have been doing it um, more of a quick way because they get that positive response of "Good job, you got that done very quickly." Yeah. You know, and, and for me, one of the things that, that I've seen, and I, and I, I saw it when I first started working in construction about, about 20 years ago, and I continue to see it with some projects, is that um, the industry, the manufacturers came up with shock absorbing lanyards, and mm-hmm. I think they are. I think they are great. They they help to disperse the energy on the, on the body in case of a fall, they reduce the number of injuries. But what was happening is that when, when we told our workers, you have to be a hundred percent tied off, they would get these two tailor sort of Y connection um, shock absorbing lanyards to go around columns and things like that, for instance. Mm-hmm. And so we would have workers that were working 
12 feet in the air, 14 feet in the air, and they were wearing their harnesses and they were wearing these shock absorbing lanyards. And granted, it's it the the likelihood of people falling was very minimum. But when I would look at people, if you looked at somebody and didn't really recognize that there might be a hazard, it was like, oh yeah, they're tied off. They they've got their harness on and they're and they're and they're secured to an anchor point. But in reality, they they were not working safely because that shock absorbing lanyard would never deploy if they should, if they should strike the lower level. And, you know, so you'd have a serious injury because they'd splat instead of stop, you know, oh. you, you would, you wouldn't be arrested. You, you wouldn't have any fall arrests. You would hit, have a fall as a strike, you know, gravity would take over. And so when you talk to the workers, the workers all understood that, yeah, this isn't really going to keep me safe because the the you know the 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 material in the in the shock absorber will deploy three feet in addition to the six foot lanyard and and where it's tied off and everything. I had a hard time convincing management that we needed a different type of lanyard, the like self retracting device versus these shock absorbing lanyards, just because this is what we've always had, you know, they get it in their mindset that this is the right thing to do. And, and oftentimes it's the worker who comes up with a much better idea than the the management has put in place. You know, I know when I used to do um, my job safety analysis, you know, here, here's your task, here's your hazard, here's your, here's your activities to remediate. And I would go step one, two, three, and people would read it and they would say, yeah, that's fine, but we don't do it in those, in that sequence, you know, so you have to, you have to get the workers involved. And, and, and most of the workers, just because they're, we work with mostly union workers. And so they've had experience and they've, they've had, um, they've had on the job training, they know, they know what, they know the steps and the, and the processes to go through versus bringing somebody on board who's never, ever experienced the construction industry. And so I wanted to kind of dig a little bit deeper on what you're starting to talk about, because what you're really talking about is taking the time to do those steps to like really back up and start learning from the individual worker. Is that what I'm hearing you bring forward? Oh, yeah. You know, for, for me, I I never felt that I was very successful and I wasn't very well liked when I started working until I until I looked at it from a from one of my workers' perspectives and I started to think, you know what? Even the most inexperienced apprentice on my job has more experience than I do doing that activity. So why not engage them and why not work with them to say, hey, can you can you explain to me what you're doing here? And that sort of that sort of helps if they're doing something that you feel is unsafe. Yeah. Or it also helps for you to understand a new process or maybe maybe they're working around new equipment or machinery that you've never seen before. And and that kind of goes into what Amy was talking about before about sitting down with the worker. Right. And learning from them, which is a style that I also do in retail is you know, we have many departments in a grocery store. I'm sure you can see that when you walk through it. And so, you know, for me for me it was about putting the onus back on them to say, well, you, you're a professional bakery. You, you know better than I do what you need in your bakery in order to do your job safely. Now, you know, here is our audit from corporate because we all have those. And then let's come after you do that with your team and everybody has input, let's come back to the table and then share your insights. It was just phenomenal. The stuff that would come back that the professionals added back in because people who weren't doing the job just missed those. Something as simple as an ergonomic mat. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, just, that's just the first thing that, you know, comes out of ergonomic mat. What about that? And you've got people standing there for long periods of time. Do you have those? Some You'll see them in some grocery stores, but some places you don't. And that's one thing you'll see your safety goggles will be on. You'll be like, 
wait a minute, where's their ergonomic mat? <laughs> that, or you'll hear the, you'll hear the HVAC system come on and be like, wait a minute. I wonder, I wonder, is this on a PM, you know, and I totally nerd out in some places and I'm like, I wonder, I wonder what their schedule is for cleaning those filters and, you know, and those types of things. So yeah, I, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I was super excited about ergomats. Right. <laughs> <laughs> And what other ways do you engage your workers? Like, let's give our audience some ideas about how they can be really, you know, um, learning more about that individual worker's needs, because often they also represent their team's needs. Well, good. sorry, go ahead, Amy. I didn't mean it. Did I interrupt you? I'm so sorry. Did I do that? Go ahead. Okay, so Goodyear is is looking at um, just... uh, this uh, leadership uh, growth system, and they haven't really coined what it's going to be yet, but it's their long-term goal because COVID has definitely taken away a good portion of the year to apply it to our strategic plan for this year. But we are taking supervisors and managers and we're going out to the, we could do, we do a shadow with the workers out in the plant. So you shadow for a day and you feel you really you really do get to see what they're doing. Now you can read their job description on a piece of paper, but to go out and be with them for, you know, so many, so many, a portion of their, of their shift and see it and be able to take notes and really do that one-on-one. It is coming back. It's, it's a, the return on investment is, is super high on it because we're realizing, you know what, we can make this better or we can streamline this. And some of our streamlining is not only improving the safety mechanism of something or, or streamlining a process, but we're saving money because we're doing all these extra steps that we haven't had to do because nobody just decided to say, wait a minute, we can make this go a lot quicker by bypassing maybe that total conveyor system. And we spend so much money on overtime to fix that conveyor system when all this time we haven't even needed it. And that conveyor system is notorious for being a pinch point and have, and we have quarterables because of that conveyor. We don't, you know what? We don't even need it now that I've sat here and just did this job with you for the last 15 minutes, you know, as a shadow, not, not me personally doing a job, but being able to ask questions as they're, um, as they're working and whatnot. It's been, it's, we've been trying it out a little bit and it's, it's, I think we're going to have, a great opportunity to make systems better when you get on the floor at the same, at the same level. So. I love that idea. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's really, you know, I mean, you get, you get the the uppermost level management buy-in in a, in a, in a process like that. And it, really it, it can change the whole climate of of the way that the workers think, the way that they do things, the way that they that they respect the, the organization. Mm-hmm. I mean it's sort of like Tamara in in Ontario, you know, I mean, when we when we go there and we work, we establish joint health and safety committees and where the where there's management engagement and worker participation and 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 you get that that collaborative effort of how to do things in a safe manner. And, and the one thing that I, that I see is that, is that workers have to have a reason for coming to work, not just, not just the money, but you know what, I want to, I want to be able to provide, provide for my family. I want to buy a boat. I want to do different things. And so as you, as you, interact and engage with the workers maybe you're talking to them about about a specific task that they're doing but then you start to involve involve them in hey you know what um is it is it tough for you to get up at four o'clock in the morning and go to work and be home at six or seven o'clock at night with your family and then they start talking about their family and talking about the things that they really are doing to do things safely you know, it's it's that it's that whole opportunity that you have, especially from a safety perspective. For me, um, a lot of times, the only time that I have that I have to actually 
interact and engage with the workers is when we bring them in at the start of an outage and we do an orientation. And then they all disperse and they maybe go to their second shift and they and they go to different parts of the of the of the project. And you never really have that opportunity to spend time with them to find out what makes them tick. And and I think that that's that's really, really important is that you have to you have to get to know your workers and and to because safety is a service, you know. So so we have to sometimes adapt the way that we think things should be mm-hmm. to the way things really need to be. Yeah. And the other thing I, I've um as a worker myself and and on my teams is, is being given voice, you know, opportunity. These are adults at work that we've hired and just like us, they have ideas. And, and as, as you said before, often their ideas, their solutions are phenomenal. Yes. So, so it's creating that opportunity for discussion. We, I know that, Oh, I'm sorry. I know that there's some organizations that are doing sort of a um, uh, reverse mentorship where the younger person or the, you know, the, your, I'll just say your millennial is, is, is teaching your, your baby boomer about how to use technology, for instance, mm-hmm. um, and to get them more comfortable understanding the nuances of, you know what, I hate, I hate to talk on the phone, but I will text all day long. And, you know, I mean, it's just simple things like that. And I think that, that we can, we could do that from our perspective as well. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to, I used to love um, working in the receiving with the receiver. And the reason I loved being in that area is because everybody from different departments at some point would come into receiving. Right. And so you got to engage with almost everybody in the store, in that back area, outside of their own departments, in an environment that was totally different than their usual professional, say, bakery area or the butcher area. And it was very interesting how there are some places in the organization that it's like the water cooler in an office. But in when you're in a warehouse or a different environment, the water cooler is usually somewhere else. Do you have those places? Uh, our common areas um, and in the, inside the control rooms. So we work off of we work off of computer systems that mm-hmm. will sit in continuously monitor. You know a lot of our processes because um, we've got chemicals that are being grown, so to speak, because of the mm-hmm. way the way our monomers are put together. And so there's a chemical process. They're like baking a chemical cake almost. <laughs> and then, so they, a lot of the times it's those, that, that quid pro quo between people is happening yeah. in those control rooms because we, because 10, 12 hours a day, that's, that's where you are. And mm-hmm. then a little bit happening in the common area, um, for what, for whatever reason that they're in there, some places don't have a separated common area from an eating, um, an eating area, but those are the main places, the control room, common area, and the eating area, depending on where you are in the plant and how it's situated. So those, those are the areas where you're going to see that, that, that talking and what works out really good is for you to go in there and, Put yourself right in there and, and, they're, and they're talking over on the other side of the room and you hear something and you have a chance to wedge yourself into the conversation very subtle. And then before you know it, you're, you're learning so much about what their perspective is and mm-hmm. how to think about it at work. And then they'll get comfortable with your presence being there. And I've seen, I've seen it work. Where they start asking, well, what are we going to do about this particular line? Um, you know, I, I wrote up this, I wrote up this, this um, risk assessment and I turned it in and are we going to address that? Oh, and it's so beautiful, especially if by chance I know what they're talking about mm-hmm. and actually seen it and it's actually gone through the routing process correctly that I'm like, you know what? We already have a work order. Here's the, here's the work order. Let me pull it up for you. And they're like, 
Great. Thanks. Yeah. We're on a rotating shift. So a lot of the times that, you know, the guys work only 16 days of the month. And so they may write something up on their first four days of the month and then they'll go through their, their schedule. And when they, they come back, it's, they're not on that next, that next set of long, long days for another month. And so some, sometimes they, for, they forget about what they wrote up, you know, cause it's, it, it, it a lot, you know, life happens, but then um, there's a lot of times they will ask again in the next month, Hey, did that get cleared up? We're all about showing them where the work order is and tell them what day it was finished. And we use our, we use our VPP team to do that. And so, and then, and then, you know, that would apply to any company. They can have a, a, like a safety rep or do that or some other type of um, internal, I don't know, um, group of people that have been designated to address safety issues if they wanted to do it that way. We just happen to use VPP. Yeah. BPP site. So, but that was a really long answer for that question. Uh, well, and I know for, for me, the, one of the places where, you know, it's sort of that informal gathering area is, um, is, is when you're on a project, you always have a, an equipment staging area. And so there's operators that are coming and going and you've got iron workers that are coming into that area to say, hey, are you ready ready to move over here because we have to unload a truck or are, are you um, are you all set for for the next big pick that we're doing? Those, those types of things. And that seems to sometimes be where you, you find clusters of people where you can mm-hmm. actually um, have some sort of engagement with them. And, you know, like maybe it's just a real quick, informal, just two minutes of a, of a, of a, of a message that you're sharing with them. And, and the other place where I see it happen a lot of times is just, I mean, you know, it's called a toolbox talk or a tailgate talk for, for mm-hmm. a specific reason, because that's where you're going to find your supervisor and your foreman and maybe a couple of workers as they're, as they're bringing tools off of the, off the back of the pickup truck that's sitting in the, in the, in the work area. Even as they come into the turnstile, I don't know if y'all have those, but to come in and they're waiting for their shift. They're already talking about it, especially oh, yeah. the same control room or the same mm-hmm. area or they they know that maintenance is coming and there might be a maintenance person waiting to come through the turnstile. Well, they are communicating before they're even dressed for work. And, you know, obviously I don't go to the men's locker room, but they, they do, they, I know that they talk about it in there because our female operators are talking about what they're going to be doing in their area and they collaborate there. Collaboration starts as soon as they get on the property, it seems like. And they may, they may, you know, text about it after work. I don't know, but, you know, Collaborational and communication amongst the workers seems to happen whenever whenever there's an opportunity. So yeah. it's it's us as professionals getting in there and utilizing what's that that network that's already happening. How do we how like an engineer? How do we get it to flow this way? Like you know, like an aqueduct, and and be able to use it to our benefit, which is everyone's benefit really. Yeah. You know, the natural, you're going with the natural flow. My my frustration, what I see happens a lot is that um, there's a tendency to really dumb down safety. And um, that's one of my pet peeves. Well, and I think that, you know, I don't like it. I don't like it either because it, it discounts the the skills and the education of almost all the workers, but because you have one or two people that are either not able to follow rules or they don't understand the rules or they're too new and they haven't been taken aside and really educated, um, you have to make things as simple as possible for those for those individuals. And sometimes it creates situations where the safety professional gets gets blamed for making everybody look stupid. You know, um, I had a situation one time, we, we have, we have a project where 
Hard hats are required 100% of the time from the time that they, that a worker comes in through the gate until the time that they leave. The only time that they take their hard hat off is if they are in a designated office area or a designated cafeteria area. Right. Okay. If, if I'm leaving for the day and I'm 50 feet from the turnstile and not in any kind of area where there's an overhead hazard, and I take my hard hat off because it's so bloody hot and I'm wiping my brow down and I get busted for that, that's, that is making safety rules dumb. It creates, it, it creates an animosity between the worker and the safety professional. And, and, and I think that what we need to do is instead of dumbing down safety, let's educate the workers. Let's make them better. Well, I, I think it goes further than make them better. I, I think it's collaboratively, we should all become better. Because I, I do think also that the safety professional can come across as being very egocentric and being the one who knows all the rules that everybody else has to work by. You know, we, we're not lawyers. <laughs> so we shouldn't behave in that um a strict compliance, like you must be compliant kind of attitude. I think there's, yes, we, there are compliances that we have to adhere to, but I was in the food service industry, which as you know, from working in it, there's a lot of rules that you have to uphold. And the, the most phenomenal leader that I saw, Joe, he would be coming and he would be speaking with people and he would share with them his knowledge of what was needed to be done and explain to them, um, you know, in, in detail sometimes um, what the value was of doing it and what the real risks were, um, especially to our customers when not doing it and, and how important it was to be, you know, following through even just with what, some people felt was a nuisance doing temperature checks every hour on the hot case where people get the food because it has to sustain a certain temperature so that bacteria doesn't start breeding in there. And then you as a customer get sick, right? Sure. But when you're going and having to do every hour a temperature check, it becomes one of those mundane pieces of the job that if you don't understand exactly the science behind it, why you're doing it, you might think, oh, well, you know what? I did it an hour ago. Why do I have to do it again? But it was interesting when he took that time as the leader to really explain how bacteria grows and all that in the hot case, how then the full-timers were right on it, right? And when the part-timers did come in who didn't have that same um, education, they'd picked up the torch. And those full-timers explained to these part-timers, hey, did you know this is what's actually happening in there? This is why we have to do this. They were grossed out. And then they too started to pick up the torch. And then the interesting thing was how many people started reporting that they were starting to do this at home. When they had food left out, they had a thermometer. They were sticking in that when it had been out a certain amount of time because now they knew the science of what was actually possibly growing on their food and like we talk about be a food illness, right? You got those kids for those people that are doing it at the house. Mom, what are you doing? Yeah. I'm, I'm checking the food temp. Okay. I don't want a food illness. Yeah, yeah. I, I learned this at work. Thanks to Joe. We are not going to have a food illness in this house. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and the thing, and one of the things that, 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 you know, you talk about the safety person being an egotistical person. Sometimes I feel that there are there are safety representatives that they're this is all a big game. And you know what? I'm going to tell you the rules. But when I think that the rules need to be changed, I'm going to change the rules. And I'm not going to tell you. I'm just going to bust you on them. And that that's all. That's always. You know, I mean, that's never a good way to to approach safety and 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 gain respect from from your workers. And we have to remember the employees are stakeholders also. 
Well, of course. Yeah, they, they are the they are the reason that, that we have a job is that if, if they are doing if they are doing what they're supposed to be doing, if they're you know, if 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 their job goes well, we sort of fall into the background. Are we still needed and necessary? Absolutely. But you want to see a you want to see that well-oiled machine and you want to see the workers being able to do their job flawlessly and, and fluently. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we only have a little bit of time left, um, but this is a great conversation. You know, uh, what I would love to hear is some tips that you have for our audience to really, you know, bring the employee into the fold so that they have buy-in and ownership of safety. I know one of the tricks I used to do was we have an occupational health and safety legislation up here. We call it the green book. And so I would always bring that whenever we did training or whenever I was talking to people and kind of show them inside the legislation what I was talking about to the point where they started to value the book and they themselves would then pick up conversations with one another using the legislation for their own supportive arguments. That's when I knew that I had a healthy safety culture. I don't like to use the word safety culture, but I had a healthy culture with people valuing safety when I saw them have these kind of conversations. So what are your experiences? Yeah, I think that, that you know, I, I agree. Safety culture is, is a bad term because it sort of silos safety rather than saying safety is part of our overall culture, our overall climate. And, and one of the things that, that I have educated our workers with, starting with our, starting with our, our management team, is um, something from um, CPWR, which is the, the Construction Center for Research and Training. They have a, um, it's called a safety climate survey, and it's a, it's a way for you to evaluate your program by, by checking boxes, basically. Um, does my company do this? Do, do we do this? Do we do this? And it's, you know, just, am I leading by example? And always going out into the, into the work area, wearing my hard hat, wearing my safety glasses, wearing my, wearing my steel-toed boots, wearing my vest, or do I have to be told to do so? And, and if your managers understand that, that, they have to, that they have to be active and involved and engaged with the workers, then it's much easier for you to get the workers engaged and involved with them and with, with the, whole, the whole team that's out there. Amy, what are your thoughts? Um, so, you know, getting in involvement, you have to understand that some people are not super comfortable maybe talking directly to someone and they want to be able to kind of drop off their comments in a place that, like a text message. Some people are more co comfortable with that versus the, the, the communication that like we have right now. So we have offered them an opportunity to call in and leave a message if they see something. And they can, it can be anonymous or not, but a lot of times our plan is not that big. We, we know people's voices. So, but that's not really been, that's not been an issue. That's not been an issue. Um, they're involved in every single um, audit form that we have, whether it being from a, a housekeeping tour, whether it be um, uh, an opportunity to learn a different job. We have people that are on one side of the plant that have net, and it's, their plant's not big that have never been from finishing over to the poly side, never. And they have no idea. And they hear the word reactor, but they've never, and it, that, that blows my mind that they didn't get a chance previously just to go over and see what it looked like and be able to answer those questions. So we have a lot of pairings where you get an opportunity to see a different, a different crew position out in the plant. Um, when we do uh, a revamp on any permit, we, always include them because their perspective is going to be real time because they they're they're dealing they're dealing with that every single day it's gonna be better than my perspective i'm humble enough to know that i don't know anything about that you're gonna to have to tell me what is this sometimes that surprises that surprises people why is a safety person asking that it's because i 
I, I really, I really don't know. I know what the book says, but I want to know what it is in real life. I mean, they have that in their, that regulation that way for a reason, but explain to me your perspective. So, you know, it's, it's involving them that way as well. Um, and of course, um, you know, any, any feedback from meetings, those are always included. We, we do, uh, we'll, we'll have a, a hazard safety talk every month. The supervisors use those in their meetings included in there. I always make sure to either put the SOP or the work instruction. And if there's something specific to OSHA, I created this OSHA talking board at the plant. And if, and OSHA has this thing and it's, and they'll send it to you every single day and it's talking points or quick takes. Fantastic. So if, Right now, it's heat. We were, we're still talking about heat stress because that is a real concern down here. Um, and of course, hurricane safety. We include all of that in the proctors and the gatehouses are going through. They can go to the OSHA board and see what OSHA is talking about, what the employer, where the employer should be doing for them. And they're able to say, you know what, they are doing that or they're not. And if they're not and they're not comfortable going to a supervisor, well, they can leave their comment on the safety line. They just got to call it in and they can call it in from their their the control room and nobody's going to know where it came from other than maybe oh I recognize that voice I know who that is but we're not like that we don't we don't do it that way so um what we're learning for us is we were an entity and I've only been with my current employee for six years so prior to that there was definitely a rift in there where there was no communication like people were treated like mushrooms they were you know, kept in the dark and fed a whole bunch of crap. And then you have to change that and communicate with people, put the light on. And once they realize why you're doing it and they, and they see the logistics and the, and the reasoning, and it makes sense, you are going to have acceptance and you're going to have people jumping on that bandwagon with you. So they just want to be involved. And so what we're learning is involving, involving the, the, the working portion or the workhorses that you're the do that are doing those jobs every day is key. Communica- oh, yeah. Communication, you know, from a military perspective, and I was military for a really long time. Communication is key to winning wars. Not that we're in a safety war. We kind of are. We're, we we kind of are. It's just not World War Two. Okay, it's not that. It's not like that. But communication is key to success and teamwork. And I'm known for saying this: teamwork. Mm, it makes that dream work. I can't do it by myself. I have to have a team. So. And I, and I love that, you know, you sort of tied back into something that I had said before when I, when I ask the workers, can you explain what you're doing to me? Because I don't know. And, you know, I mean, I don't want to, you know, and, and I don't want to be this kind of safety person who comes at them with a, with a book of regulations and says, oh, you know what? In 1910.95, it says, or whatever. You know, 1926.502 says people don't care. I mean, they they care that that they're protected, but they could give a crap about what the specific regulations say. They want to know how it impacts them and what they can do to make their job safer for them and for their families. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, Kathleen, such a good point, you know, get them involved, have that conversation. And it's, it's funny about the legislation. I think Amy said that. <laughs> oh, I think you both said that. But, we um, both said that. I think. <laughs> but, but with the legislation thing, it's so interesting because when I gave it to the workers, right? And said, well, here is your Ontario law about workplace safety. The first thing that comes back is like, wait a minute, we have a law for workplace safety? I'm like, yep, here it is. And how much, because we're really a resource, right? That's our key function is to be a resource. Yeah, we're a service. That's right, a service, give them what they need to do the job. And, um, you don't need to read the legislation to adults. Adults will go and um, if they have a question and they have a resource, nine times out of 10, they will go and pick up that resource and kind of look through it themselves to see whether or not something that they're trying to deal with themselves is actually in that book. 
And it, it was funny how once they had that knowledge that there was a legislation that protected them, the worker, how much they would start bringing me that book and say, excuse me, I'm having this issue right now. Is that in this book? You know, and I'd be like, oh, I don't know. Let's sit down and look at it together. Oh, so, someone does it to me because that sounds fabulous. Yeah. In this book, does it, I mean, I, I would, no one's, no one's ever done that. But if they did that, I would be so excited to be yeah. like, let me show you. Now, before we leave, did you have another comment that you wanted? I have one last comment. Yep, go ahead. I want to shout out to all of our ASSP wise women. Yes. (laughs) So, Thank you. No, that's great. That's great. Do you guys have anything going on at ASSP? Well, we had, we had our, um, our annual meeting done virtually and, and it really, for, for a virtual conference, I thought it went very, very well. Um, you know, everybody, everybody pre-recorded their sessions, and then they were mm-hmm. still available during the, during the time of their sessions to interact with the audience. Awesome. And, and so it was, it was different because, you know, I mean, you go there to network and to, and to see everybody that you haven't seen for a year. But I, I still think it was it was really good, and and of course um, ASSP, the Women in Safety Excellence um, Common Interest Group, is always doing things, and we are mm-hmm. always busy and always active in in engaging the the safety community. Now, can you provide that link on the profile page for me? Yeah, we sure can. Uh, thank you so much, Amy. Did you have any last thoughts? Um, you know, no, uh, Kat actually went into the, she segued right into what I was going to say in there and she did very good. I, 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 I'm, I'm right on that bandwagon. Wise is an amazing opportunity for men and women alike. We do not, uh, we don't, we don't say, Hey, you can just, you can only be female. We're open to everyone. So it's a great, it's a great opportunity. The common interest group by far is one of the best I've ever, ever been part of. I'm, I'm super proud of it. Wise is all over my office. It's so great. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Oh. And so you'll give us that link so we can post it for our listeners. Sure, sure. Fabulous. Sure. Thank you. Well, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you very much, ma'am. Thanks for your time. We hope that you enjoyed this edition of Women in Safety. That was a great conversation. If you're looking for the show notes, head on over to safepedia.com and you can find it under the podcast tab. Have you signed up yet for our Safety Connects Conference Expo? It's a virtual conference online and we're giving away swag and door prizes. So register now. Go to industryconnectsafety.com. Until next time, stay safe. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the Women in Safety podcast. Thank you for clicking the subscribe button and sharing it with others. Make sure to visit us at safetywithpurpose.com for more safety leadership and industry discussions.